So, Jamie, it's podcast time once more. And yes, 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 yes. But we should all just get into this studio. Where's Ian? Well, well, Ian has been working very hard. Very, very, very hard, you know. I think I think at times you push him a little bit too hard. So I have taken the executive decision and he is going on holiday. Or he's taking some time off. Yeah, there's nowhere to really go on holiday right now. So True. is he just like in the basement? He's taking Garden? some time off. I see. I just said you released from your duties for a wee while. I didn't ask where he was going. I didn't ask what he was going to do. He just departed with a determined look in his eye. <sighs> time off. I don't know if I like this. People relaxing and having a good time seems odd and unusual. We we all know what you like and don't like. Yes, that's very very true. Before this gets any dirtier, I'm Jamie Adams, and I'm Ian McAllister, and this is Brainwaves episode sixty-seven, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the twenty-second of February, twenty twenty-one. Asmodee acquires Board Game Arena, and we have an interview with one of the team. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Yes, so the big news over the last fortnight has been that Asmodee, our lords and masters and owner of many, many things in the board game world, have acquired Board Game Arena. Now, Board Game Arena is a digital tabletop platform, and if you're not familiar with it, unlike its competitors, Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia, it's not really a 3D simulation of the tabletop. Instead, it opts for a top-down 2D view. And the thing that sets Board Game Arena apart from its competitors is that it also fully implements the rules of board games within its system. In Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia, you effectively just have a physics engine and you need to know the rules of the game in order to move things around. There's some automation, but for the most part, it's just moving objects around in a 3D environment. On Board Game Arena, the rules are actually part of the system, so a lot, of the, a lot of the sort of work of some board games is automated, which a lot of people really, really like. A lot of people really, really like because they have approaching six million users on the site, two hundred plus games on there, Ooh. and growing rapidly. Yeah, indeed, that is a lot of users. Last I heard, and this was a little while ago, so I might be a little bit about the population of Board Game Geek, the sort of premier board game site on the internet is somewhere around the 2 million mark and certainly we know that from Tabletopia who were good enough to reply to us on Twitter that their user base is about 2 million users as well so you can see the size of board game arena within the sort of tabletop community. That is, qu- that is quite a disparity. It, it really is isn't it? We haven't been able to establish a user base for Tabletop Simulator at this time though we'll come back to you if we do figure that out at some point. We reached out to Board Game Arena for a comment on the situation and we were joined by Ian Paravel from the company and we'll play that interview for you now. I'm delighted to be joined by Ian Paravel from Board Game Arena. Thanks very much for joining us, Ian. Thanks for you for welcoming me. Uh, can you t- start off by telling us a little bit about your own role as part of Board Game Arena? Yeah, of course. Obviously, I was working for Board Game Arena since many years, but I was I'm employed by uh, since um, 2016 uh, as an art director. So I'm taking care of everything that is graphic. And yeah, I am the guys I want to get rid of the wooden background <laughs> that is <laughs> onto the website. So yeah, that's me. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a nice looking site, nice and clean to you. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it will change. It will change. It's gonna change. Actually, we will uh, redo uh, entirely the website uh, this year. If I, we hope so. Fantastic. So uh, we saw an article from VentureBeat recently that says you have over five million users. Can you give us a little bit more of an accurate number there? And do you know what the population split is between those who use it on PC, those who use it through consoles, those who use it through app? Do you have any idea of the populations there? Yeah, so actually um, it's not a secret like um, all the new accounts and new members can be uh, seen on the front page. So actually we are close to six million. Wow. Yeah, but it's always moving up and down, you know, people mm. just, just subscribe, unsubscribe, and but that's fine. So yeah, we we have close to uh, 6 million users and uh, two close to three, 300 games. And yeah, everybody's playing from the whole world, from anything, but most of the time they are playing from their computer, Apple or uh, PC, IBM PC, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And a uh, few people playing on their uh, tablets and phones. Uh, but maybe uh, lower than thirty percent, and okay. all the rest that is going on with uh, with their PlayStation and the Wii U and things like that is probably less than five percent. But there is some. So the, obviously, the reason we've got you on is to talk about the recent news that Asmodee has just acquired Board Game Arena. How are the team feeling in general about the acquisition? Actually, it's been a deal that has been dis discussed since a long time ago, and it just came out that it was the right time to partner uh, with Asmodee. Actually, one part of the deal was to work like uh, the studio, like uh, Belut does or uh, Repo does. We wanted to be kept as a sort of a sole company because we are only foreign side, and we really want to keep the things like they are for now. So as long as we are in, not a lot of things should change. Of course, obviously, the change that will probably occur really quickly is uh, having more games, especially from games from uh, Asmodee. And of course, they are taking part of the benefits. That's the deal. So you mentioned there that um, it's a deal that's been talked about for a while. When did Asmodee first approach you about about this? No, it was it was it was years ago because we were like pioneers into that, and we we had many 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 different companies coming to us, uh, like um, uh, video game companies coming to us, and uh, many different uh, ventures and things like that. So yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, then some talks about it, but no nothing was uh, done uh, since uh, since yet. Fantastic. So, what do you hope that this deal is going to allow Board Game Arena to do that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? Uh, bring more games, more <laughs> games. The thing is that for four years, we were wanting to have titles from Asmodee, like, like uh, I can't tell anything, but you, you, you could imagine <laughs> easily any titles from Asmodee, and we really wanted them, but they were not inclined to do that, mostly uh, because they have their own uh, studio that do the app. Yeah, sort of digital adaptations of their games, yeah. Exactly. The market is so crowded. And BGA did such a success, like it was a natural way for them to, to come to BGA as it was one for us. Like it's, it, it was pretty obvious in the end and we're pretty happy with that. We've seen some responses from developers whose games are currently on Board Game Arena expressing some surprise at the way the acquisition was announced. Were developers contacted before you announced the deal? Uh, actually, it's uh, that kind of deal is always kind of difficult to achieve because, you know, you have a um, contract. You cannot say anything on the, onto the contract. You have to wait for the right time because you have to do the announcement. 
on the other side. But everybody actually got informed, maybe not a long time before, but uh, as soon as soon as we could, actually, uh, we did it. So we've seen some. We've seen the messages. Actually, I answered uh, some of them uh, myself. We we all worked onto that uh, during the last week because it was kind of a crazy week. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> like people telling like whatever they can imagine, but it's totally understandable as they don't know what's going on. So some of them are afraid. Some of some of them have questions. Some of them were uh, more uh, like uh, fighting. But overall, it was. It, it, it was quite okay, I guess. Everybody got the news, the emails. We are only four people, like yeah. Greg, uh, that is a founder, Emmanuel, that is co-founder, uh, me, and uh, Yuritsa, that joined us uh, recently. So we are only four, and we had to take care of all of the messages we received. Some, some were nice, some were okay, but th there was also some um, bit of a misunderstanding, I guess. Sure. And we tried to clean it up. So not telling lies, just telling what it is. Yeah. And uh, actually, we we have kept uh, every developers on board for now. Great, that's so, good. So yeah, uh, and even w welcoming more of them. So I guess for now that's okay. Like the the, the main issue for us like, uh, was like w we could understand why why people were um, angry or afraid of what could come next. But we were like, guys, n n nothing will change, at, at least for a few years, because that's part of the deal. As, as long as we're in, it, it will work like it is. Like the okay. contract where will keep the same, like the deals will keep the same, and nothing will change. So, um, but we can understand that. The main thing yeah. is that uh, Asmode, Asmode by buying BGA is it's my own feeling about that, but I think they're just securing a big pl platform that is uh, BGA now, yeah. sent to the members and developers and things like that, just to be sure nobody else take it. And actually, it could it could have been worse. <laughs> Way <much> worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess people are a little afraid because they see Asmodee gobbling up a lot of developers and publishers over the last couple of years or so, and, and some people are just sort of anti that kind of company coming in and doing that sort of acquisition. But uh, like as you say, it does happen a lot. And it is Asmodee sort of securing their sort of digital future. When, when we sort of get back to, to normal, in air quotes, do you think we'll still see digital tabletop platforms continuing to grow over the next few years? Or will it level off? Uh, will it decline? What do, what do you think is going to happen there when people can meet back up in real life again? It, it would be a lie to tell I'm uh, Zaratustra and I can tell uh, <laughs> what, what, what's going on next. Uh, we're just living with what, what's going on. So actually, BGA is growing up like crazy. I think mostly because we have the big titles, everybody knows how to play. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. And the second part is that we also took care of the, um, of something no other platforms want to take care of, like the rules <laughs> themselves. <laughs> like on most platforms, you can play. It's nice. It's 3D. You can move and that and like that. And, and actually we are friends with them. Like we, we know them. They know us and we don't hate each other to our side. We totally don't do the same services. 
Like we provide the whole game with the rules uh, integrated. That's why we are not that, that good on prototypes and things like that. Part of it is because of the licenses. And of course, more licenses brings more licenses. So you never know, but it, it, it's growing. That's really cool for us. And uh, we didn't expect that, but <laughs> we've worked for more for close to 10 years, not, not getting a single cent from that. So um, yeah. that, that's kind of a reward of that, that hard work. Like we were going the right way, but who knows what's going on next? Like, you don't know. Uh, I'm into the board game industry for more than 15 years and it's, it's always changing. Like the, the way the, the board game world uh, is shaping differently every two or five years, everything changes. And actually, Asmode did come from the kind of same team uh, uh, we've been. Like, it only started with two guys and it grew up and they tried to do their best on their side. And then the business come in and they tried to manage the thing. And yeah, now it's really huge and it's really new. It's not like the, um, uh, it's, it's not like the toy manufacturers that are like uh, Mattel, Lego, uh, Hasbro. Uh, that are huge companies for a long time. Asmode is uh, trying to adapt and uh, grow uh, at the same time. Sometimes for the best, so sometimes not, but there's human inside. And I think it's totally normal to make mistakes sometimes. I couldn't agree more. Well, uh, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us, Ian, and best of luck for the future. Thanks to you. Thanks again very much to Ian for joining me for an interview. It was really interesting to get sort of an inside perspective on what's been happening mm. with As the Asmodee acquisition and how the team have been approaching it and how they've been talking to developers. I did the interview, obviously. So what, what's your take on that, Jamie? I think I was mostly surprised, A, by the amount of users, as you said uh, previously, approaching 6 million and what Ian said. I think Ian said it a bit, bit more, not declamatory, but uh, it was like more of a surprise. And I, I love that. I think it's really interesting that it's it's a small company and such a small company has been able to integrate 200 plus games and the rules as mechanics hmm. into it is it's always oh, fantastic it's very impressive and you can kind of understand certainly at the start of the first lockdown in the uk and that coincided with lockdowns in various other countries as well of course I know Borg and Marina went under extreme strain. They had huge problems with queues and that kind of thing happening. And they handled it very well for such a small team. They, they, they did very, very well to handle it as well as they did. And obviously they have much more capacity now because of that situation. I, I think this is re a really interesting acquisition because we're not... It's a little early to say we're coming to the end of the pandemic, but we can see it in sight. We can see uh, we can see a bit of a return to normal. Vaccines are coming around. Can rates we? of rates of infection, things like that, are going down. Hopefully, but you know, you know what I mean. There is, we'd like there to. is a way out in view, however long that might be, but it's within view now. I would hope so. Yeah, indeed. This is a really clear sign that Asmodee, although they are a tabletop company, and of course they want people round tables playing their games physically, they are really thinking about their digital future. This is an absolutely clear message that the digital tabletop is going to be around for a while. Oh, of course, and I mean, will grow. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're in a, I don't say a digital age, but we are in a digital age. Um, and I think it's, 
tabletop simulator really was, you know, the, I don't know if it was a spearhead for it, but when the lockdown actually hit, people went to tabletop simulator because they knew it. But Board Game Arena, oh, that integration is fantastic. And I think that yeah. is what's going to keep driving. I think that is going to be the setter for things to come. If you look at it, 6 million views, You can't, as you said, we can't guarantee tabletop simulator numbers because we don't have them right now. 6 million, that's not messing around numbers. And no, that really is isn't. what I think Tabletopia, for example, might have to up its game in order to compete. Yeah, and that's another thing. Will we see will we see Asmodee pool titles from Tabletopia to have them on Board Game Arena? Will we see exclusives, that kind of thing, digital platforms? Now that I'm a little Maybe. bit worried about. Yeah, that, I'll, that be, I'll be, be honest. Now, understandably, it's their company. It's going to be their company. It's their acquisition. They can do what they like with their things. But as, you know, for example, you said previously, Ian, with uh, the Arkham uh, Horror Living Card game, and when the, the number of mods in Tabletop Simulator got taken down, you know, which was a way that maybe the only way you'd be able to play, not, this is outside of the pandemic, out the only way you'd be able to play with some people, maybe, you know, friends in the south of England, if you're in Scotland like us, or if you're in Norway or Australia or something like that, that's a great idea. But it is their company, it's their brand, they can do what they like, but having all of it concentrated on one platform, I mean, I say that, you know, Disney Plus is doing that with, all the Disney's doing that with Disney Plus and Star and all that. I'm not saying I'm happy with it, but um, there's a whole separate podcast in the the digital fragmentation of uh, movies and films and TVs and that kind of thing. Watch out for stream waves coming very soon. <laughs> if I can Indeed. fit it into my schedule. Yeah, obviously. I mean, we're going to be playing on that more. We uh, the first Giant Brain Games night. Myself and a couple of others on the on the Giant Brain Discord played some Res Arcana on there super impre- i mean it's just a super impressive implementation it really is and I, I think i'm going to be trying to use it a bit more and investigate the games in there a bit more it's most it, it tends to be a little bit more towards the euro end of things which i think is why i haven't used it as much with with my group because i i'm not I, i'm okay with some euro games but my group that kind of bounces off them a bit uh, but yeah there's some games i really want to try on there so yeah, we'll be bringing you more on that if as it develops. But for now, I think it's basically a done deal. From the interview, Ian was saying not much is really going to change for two or three years. So there might be some sort of uh, visual updates this year, certainly. And they're really looking forward to bringing some new games in out of the Asmodee stable. Jamie, you've got some updates for us on legal shenanigans. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, it's one of my one of my main jobs. Now, back in episode sixty-one, we covered the lawsuit between Gale Force Nine and Wizards of the Coast over Gale Force Nine's line of Dungeons and Dragons products. The original lawsuit was brought by Gale Force Nine to stop the termination of their contract and sought nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars in fees and other remedies. The case has now been settled out of court, and the ongoing partnership between the companies will continue. A spokesman for Gale Force 9 said in a statement to ICV2, Our ongoing partnership for Dungeons & Dragons will continue and more news will follow at a later date. That's one thing resolved. I say, you know, I say that. Wizards of the Coast has plenty of things going on. Uh, but... That they do, Jamie. And in episode 55, we reported on Wizards of the Coast dropping their distributor ACD and the subsequent lawsuit that had been brought by that company. ACD is now appealing the decisions in its litigation against Wizards of the Coast that allowed Wizards to terminate their relationship and also forced ACD to pay 
a very specific amount, $254,042.92 in legal fees occurred by the case. The appeals court is currently waiting for a reply from Wizards of the Coast and has recently granted an extension, giving Wizards more time to respond. I was about to say I've got another story about Wizards of the Coast here, but I then remembered, as I genuinely forget most of the time, that the Pokemon trading card game is no longer part of Wizards of the Coast, it is part of the Pokemon Company. Now, we've reported a lot on Pokemon cards recently and the ludicrous amounts of money that various individual cards or packs uh, or boxes of first edition mint diamond gem 10, I think it's something like that, condition boxes are selling for. Now, McDonald's, well-known purveyors of fast food of varying quality, have announced a, or have announced and are running a promotion uh, with Pokemon cards. 25th anniversary trading cards. 25 years since they've been going. Jeez, oh. And guess what? These cards are valuable. So scalpers have been targeting it. The cards are only meant to be available with a Happy Meal. Other takeaway options are available. I'm not the BBC, but uh, I don't (laughs) want to say that. The promotion has involved distributing 50 limited edition trading cards in packs of four random cards. The packs celebrate the franchise's heritage with Gen 1 Pokemon from several of the game's generations. Now, some people have managed to get their hands on sealed boxes of the product used in the promotion and are selling them on eBay for about $1,500. So a statement from McDonald's was given to the game site IGN. We love seeing fans' passion for our limited-time Happy Meal promotion, celebrating 25 years of Pokemon. With such significant demand for our promotional Pokemon TCG cards, and some fans even going to extreme lengths to get them, we're working quickly to address shortages and also strongly encouraging restaurants to set a reasonable limit on Happy Meals sold per customer. We want to offer the full Happy Meal experience to as many families as possible and help ensure everyone is able to get in on the fun. Right, save your scalp in Pokemon cards. Go on, you know, day that. Well, it's the thing as well. They say, like, their fans going to extreme lengths. There must be theft involved here, right? Because they're, they're selling full sealed boxes of promotional product that'll be an internal McDonald's thing. So it must be being nicked from somewhere. That's the only way this stuff is getting on eBay. Once you begin to not just step over that line, but freely backflip uh, across it, that 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 is that is an extreme length where you are breaking the law. It's quite an extreme example of the influence that people like Logan Paul and that have had on the Pokemon card game worldwide. That this is happening. I'd imagine if that wasn't happening, that this wouldn't be happening. You no, know, it's a knock-on effect. It's quite it's quite astonishing. Supply and demand, mate. Talking about supply and demand. That, yes, I was going to say, that is not all. The demand for the Pokemon product in general, funnily enough, I wonder where that demand is coming from, is also affecting the regular distribution of new cards. This has forced the company into upping their quantities for future product and scrambling to fill demand for current expansions. I mean, when is this going to... When is the bubble going to burst? I don't know. Well, as we speculated about in the last cast, I think Logan Paul is about to sell some. Like all his stuff, uh, that was and, that, and in his promotion for his own version of cryptocurrency. Yeah. I think that might be the peak, maybe because I think if once if he gets or certainly if, if big influencers get rid of all their product and sell it, then the sort of like focus on that might drift away a little bit. 
But I mean, it's still going to hang around for a while. It's not going to. It's not going to drop off a cliff or anything. So yeah, a while. Pokemon, gotta get them all. Gotta get all that money. And if you like collecting full games that actually have an endpoint, then you might want to look at the Legend of the Five Rings, the card game from Fancy Flight Games, because they have just announced that that card game is unfortunately coming to an end. It'll come to an end with the premium expansion under Fulang Shadow, which includes a cooperative ex- mode for the game and a bunch of new cards. The game's been going for about four years now and has had five cycles of expansions in that time. And it's just another big change at FFG. With all the other changes there, it means that they now only have the Arkham Horror card game and Marvel Champions under their living card game model. This, that's a model whereby there are fixed expansions released over time rather than something like Pokemon or Magic where you buy boosters that have a randomized distribution for rare cards and shiny cards and things like that. You know every time you buy a, a living card game product, you know precisely what's in it. And everyone else can get that fairly easily as well. There's been a bit of supply problems with it, but apart from that, you always get what you want. So one of the reasons we want to talk about this is like we don't usually cover certain new releases or products any and that kind of thing because it's not it's not really the sort of news we cover usually. But in this case, it seems to be a little bit of an admittance from FFG that the competitive LCG model doesn't work. In the statement from FFG, they talk a lot about the demand for it and the competitive scene and how it didn't really catch fire as much as they wanted to. For the cooperative model that Arkham and Marvel have, it seems to work fine, but certainly, obviously, we've had Netrunner fail in the past as well. That was the com- under a competitive model as well. So maybe that maybe the LCG just doesn't work in a competitive environment. Now, they've got Keyforge. But it's not an LCG. But it's not an LCG. It is randomized, yeah. And that seems to be going gangbusters for them, and as far as we know, they have plans to keep producing that throughout this year. But we have heard... Rumours that they're going to be repackaging the Arkham Horror card game to be a bit more like the Marvel one. Uh, with Arkham, you have like a core set that has a campaign and some characters in it, and then each pack has not only player cards in it, but a new scenario as well. And the rumour is that they might move to a model where they re- release basically campaign boxes with the whole campaign in it, and then player cards separately. So that'd be an interesting thing to see. And certainly the Arkham Horror card game's been around for a while. I, de- I deeply love it, but it is an intimidating game for new players. Anyway, from new games ending to old games being renewed? Well, I don't know. Old games, just old games still kicking about. This is news from the deepest, darkest parts of Reddit. That's not deepest, darkest parts. It's from the subreddit Game of Ur, dedicated to the Royal Game of Ur. A game played as far back as about 2600 BCE. At least that's what the earliest boards that have been unearthed suggest. This game was played all across the Middle East, but uh, originated in Mesopotamia, with the only rules uh, found being uh, inscribed in cuneiform on a Babylonian clay tablet. Now, a user of subreddit Game of Ur, Verlatonra, I probably will be pronouncing that wrong, but never mind. Has faithfully replicated a copy of the game as might have been played way back when, using materials and methods as the ancient Mesopotamians would have used. Now, I know Mesopotamia is a region, so that's, you know, the Sumerians, maybe the Babylonians. So I I realise I'm lumping them all together, and please indulge me for just a little bit. Verlatonra started this project as a way to keep from being bored during the first COVID lockdown and also to work on their woodworking skills and their skills of stone cutting and polishing. They said, I started in early April 2020 and committed several hours every day 
after work, and almost all my weekends from dawn till dusk. While I didn't tally the hours, a rough estimate's placed me at a minimum of 600 hours spent on it. So this thing, they went all the way. So they used cedarwood for the box, white things like white marble, lapis lazuli for the inlays, amongst other materials, obviously. They also used bitumen, which, if you take it from natural deposits, is, uh, well, quite hazardous, quite dangerous. So, you know, they, they just made it themselves. Out of uh, fire coal residue, colophony, and beeswax. As, as one wow. does. And all the tools that they used for it were either specially ordered or handmade in line with basically several thousand year ago style tools that would have been used. All in all, just over three and a half thousand pounds were spent and the project was finished on the 7th of February. Oh, and did I mention there was no glue involved? Did the Mesopotamians have glue? No. Neither did this. I guess the bitumen may have done something. That's a very cool lockdown project. It's a fa- I'll tell you what, it puts, uh, puts most other lockdown products to shame. I'd recommend, if you can find it, we'll link it in the show notes. There is some absolutely wonderful pictures of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that. And it's it's an interesting game, you know, even for someone like the history of the history of games. Go back, you know, it has some similarities to Batgammon. It seems it's a game of both strategy and of luck. The initial boards were found, I think, in the early 20th century and uh, while excavating Ur. And I won't put too fine a point in it, were looted by British archaeologists and some of the oldest boards now reside in the British Museum. Wonderful project. Congratulations to the user behind it. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It really is. Anyway, the other people that are awesome are our patrons. We'd like to thank you all for continuing to support the cast, and especially to our executive producers, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe and Sean Newman of the Gamelock team. If you'd like to support the cast, you can find a variety of ways to do so on the site, the main one being our patron, where you can get extended versions of the cast's and access to some bits and pieces and articles for just $1 a month. You can also find a bunch of affiliate links on the site, and we are signed up with Metallic Dice Games as an affiliate. They make some very, very nice metal dice, and you can get their dice for a little bit off and give us a cut using the promo code ROLLWITHBRAINS, which is all capital letters, all one word. All that information will be in the show notes. And of course, we started a Discord just about a month or two ago now, and we'd like to invite you all to come and join us there. We've got our next games night the day after this cast goes out. So that's Tuesday, the 23rd of February. And we're doing that every couple of weeks, just getting together, playing some games, all sorts of things. Computer games, RPGs, board games, wherever you want to play, come along. And I'm sure we'll find you something to do. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the cast. Yes, thank you very much. You are absolutely wonderful. And you don't know how, how grateful I am. In fact, I am so grateful for you all. I've got two pieces of news for the outro. And yes, one of them is Monopoly, but I'll save that to the end. Now, we've talked a lot recently about adaptations of board games for the screen. It's nothing new, of course. We've had Risk. We're we're getting Risk. We've had Battleship. We're getting Magic the Gathering. We've had and are getting Dungeons and Dragons. We're getting Monopoly. And soon there'll be more from that mysterious manner where somebody gets murdered very regularly. Cluedo, or Clue, for those of you who are listening in America, uh, is having an animated series, which is supposedly in development from Entertainment One, 
the entertainment group owned by Hasbro, and Bento Box Entertainment, a company owned by Fox. So, isn't doesn't Disney own Fox now? Yes, it does. So, so is that saying some of the Cluedo people maybe Disney princesses? Miss Scarlet is a Disney princess. No new information is present as of yet, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. Potentially, it might be like the Cluedo young adult fiction book series with every book finishing with a child-friendly take on a supposed murder or theft by a uh, Dr. Black, or Mr. Body in the American version. Now, interesting. But, I um, didn't know that. <laughs> what? That he was called Mr. Body? No. Ah, well, Ian, you know why I knew that? And I'll say it again for those at the back. Jonathan Lynn's 1985 film Clue is all we need, honestly. Tim Curry, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Eileen Brennan, and Michael McKean are just a fantastic cast. And that's just the ones I can remember off the top of my I head. I've forgotten Christopher Lloyd was in that. Christopher Lloyd is Professor Plum in it. He is yes, just he is. great. The script by Jonathan Lynn and John Landis just, oh, just wonderful. It's really good. Oh, the you, you said there were snappy. two pieces of news. Just get on yes, with it. Go I on. No, but still, I still want to talk about Clue. And if anyone wants to talk about Clue with me, come on the Discord and we can talk about how great that film is. Ian, have you watched the film? Yes, I have. Good. A long time ago, but I have. Yeah, then he's called Mr. Body in that. There you go. So, yeah. Anyway, so it was just recently Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, the year of the ox. Now it's time of celebration for many. And of course, who else is celebrating Hasbro? Because they have released Monopoly Lunar New Year Edition, where players will find good fortune by buying shops and collecting gifts. Now, the tokens are tangerines, a lion head, a bull, a firecracker, a gold ingot, and a lantern. All things uh, associated with the Lunar New Year. And properties to snap up are shops, including flower markets, jade shops, and firecracker shops. Now, nine red envelopes are included with the game, a sign of good luck at the Lunar New Year. The, the red envelopes, I mean, not Monopoly. Hey, see, I did. Ah, uh, funny. No, I didn't, I know. But the envelopes can be used to store money, token, cards, dice, etc. Yeah, that's another Monopoly set that's out there, and um, quite specific, you know, I'm, I kind of feel slightly better about that than ones where it's trying to be slightly more subversive. Although, you know... I guess. Is, is it a little cultural propriety? I... Do not, I can't speak for that because I don't know who is behind, you know, the, the the design of it. I would definitely have a question mark over that, yeah. Yes, I'm happier to talk about the slightly more subversive ones because gives me maybe a... Yeah, it's, that's just the company messing around with their property, whatever. Uh, this, I'm like, yeah, you know what, fair enough. And this is why we do it, because there's a reason we have managed to get a Monopoly story, if not every podcast, at least one every couple of podcasts, because... Yeah. You know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, it is. Started as a joke, now it's just a thing we do. <laughs> it's just a thing we do, and I will keep fighting for it. Indeed. Anyway, th- folks, thank you very much for listening. If you have a like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast around and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The main website is giantbrain.co.uk. You can email us at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And of course, there is our Discord. There will be an invite in the show notes, and you are more than welcome to come and join us. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. See you later.